basically take a piece of this you put you, it in you, the olive oil yes which is from nice. the west bank yeah from the west bank and then a little bit of this yes like that yes yes this is like amazing oil coming from the olive tree uh, this has come from the West Bank. Mm. Since 1967, Israel have actually uprooted 800,000 olive mm. trees. Just it. That is absolutely good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Uh, last time, obviously, we did it remotely. Yes. You were here. I was in London. And you complained that it was an unfair <laughs> situation. You couldn't see me. Your earpiece kept falling out. Yes. So I thought, okay, fair enough. I hear you. I got on a plane. I flew six and a half thousand miles. And not only that, we're doing it in somewhere that is very familiar to you. It's the comedy store in Los Angeles where you performed many times as a stand-up. So Lance, you're hyping up Pierce too much. Oh no, fuck Pierce Morgan. It's, uh, sorry if that's not clear for, for anyone who doesn't know. Oh, fuck Pierce Morgan of the tallest order. Pierce Morgan is an absolute ghoul ass monster. He's been spreading so much vile, disgusting filth his entire fucking career. The man is just fucking putrid. He's the fucking, the cum stain of journalism. Okay. That's, that's, I'll, I'll be on the record. If I ever get invited to the show, it's like, so Lance, it seems here based on a clip that you said that I'm the cum stain of journalism. Do you have any facts to support that? Are you now here live going to tell me why I am in fact a cum stain? I've done my bit. You did. You did. But actually, this is not, this is not the first time we meet in person. No, no. We yeah. did originally we did. in London last year. And I know that many people are watching this for the first time. I would know this, but like, I would really love to tell the story of that moment because yes. uh, I was uh, having a, a, a tour in the UK and Europe and I was doing my English stand-up. Mm. And one of my... Uh, you know, advertising promotion plan was to come on your show. So my agent called me, it's like, Bessim, you're gonna be on Piers Morgan. I said, damn, it's like, what's wrong? It's like, well, uh, Piers Morgan blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I did. And he said, like, what did you do? I said, well, during January 6th, you know, the insurrection, you know, uh, you tweeted something about it. And I was so angry at what's happening. And I remember you having you and Donald Trump in a picture. And I said, said the guy who had Donald Trump with him, whatever. And, and, and then I, I, I used like very harsh words. And of course, you blocked me. So I, and then I said, like, Does he know? I don't know. Does he know? I don't know. Does he know? I don't know. So I walked into the studio. And the moment I was like being seated and they're preparing before we go on air. And he's like, oh, hi, Basim. It seems that you have more followers than me, but it seems that I blocked you. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm so happy you opened with some lore. We got some lore. <laughs> yeah, he is He's just so heartwarmingly wholesome, you know? He's, he's incredible. Uh, and I told you, and then we, we said the story on air. And it was funny because I made the joke, I was like, you have always been standing against cancel culture yeah. and you just canceled me. I know. <laughs> but he agreed that this is not canceling because this is your own space and you're free, but now you're unblocked me and we... Oh. <laughs> I already love it. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm so happy someone's finally said that to their faces. Everyone of the whole like, I care about free speech. I am free speech, man. Yes, all of the freest of speech. Oh, someone said mean thing about me. Block. And then even Glenn Greenwald would be like, blocking is not the same. And it's like, well, you, you have to understand that you, you all have massive platforms as a result of a massive platform given to you by big tech and you grow in your own massive platforms. But you are in a lot of ways the same thing as publishing houses, right? Like if you have your own YouTube channel, or you have your own stream and it reaches hundreds of thousands, 
thousands or millions of people, well, then you have to respect the fact that that works in the same way that a lot of traditional media did, such as radio or television. It's still reaching a vast amount of human beings, of which a lot of that is heavily unregulated, which a lot of you love. You always say that it's about free speech, but it's more just to let the Nazis dance around. It's like, well, we have to protect all speech, all speech, you know, even Holocaust denial. We have, we have to protect all of it. We have to, because if not, you know, then, then the good ideas can't rise to the top and become the cream, the delicious cream we also love. So when the big tech does it, all of a sudden, that's censorship. That's, that's cancel culture. That's 1984. We're, and before, we're here. And um, we're here. And it was, yeah, and actually we agreed about January the 6th, by the way, just yes. for the record. Yeah, yeah, um, the, I was done about No response. Maybe you weren't surprised. I was completely staggered by the response globally to our interview several weeks ago. Mm. Were you taken aback by the scale of it? Uh, yes, of course, but I understand why. Um, for many years, the media covering the Middle East has uh, been um, showing a certain point of view. I'm not going to say bias, but I would say it did not allow certain voices, certain um, voices from the other side to be heard. And that is why you see the frustration. You all, whenever you speak to people in the Middle East, they tell you the same thing. Uh, they, 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 they're not very happy with the, the coverage of the Middle East because our voices are not heard. Now, I am the least qualified person ever to talk about this conflict. And yet, just because I relate some of the talking points that we say and we hear the whole time, mm. people felt heard. And when, you, when, when people have this feeling, they, they, they're happy. They, are, they, 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 they have this response. They say, like, oh my God. For the, for the first time, the West are actually hearing our point of view. Some of the point of view might not be go well with other people, but at least we have a conversation. And I think that is the reason why people reacted that way. Uh, yeah. It's, it's such an incendiary subject matter. I've never seen social media so ablaze with hostility on, on both sides. Did you actually, as well as enormous praise from the Arab world, did you also get criticised? by some parts of the Arab world for not going perhaps oh, hard yeah. enough. Oh, you didn't do it. It wasn't just the Arab world. The West overwhelmingly was like cheering that interview on. It, it was like one of the only rational pieces of television to share with people. We were just like, hey, send this to, to people who don't actually get this yet. Because maybe when it's just, you know, satirized and put to its extremes, they'll, they'll start to understand. That you didn't do that. Uh -huh. The thing is, this is like, uh, you're damn if you do, you're damn if you don't. Right. If you don't speak up, why don't you speak up? If you speak up, you didn't speak up enough. If you're done, why are you done? If you speak up too much, oh, you're taking all the attention on you. And I, lo I love that fact because people always who accuse people of being the center of attention, they are actually not very happy that the attention is not on them. This is actually like a rule on social media. No, before, before we, can I, can I, can yes. I show? Okay, so this is a gift from me and my wife. <laughs> this is uh, olive oil from the West Bank. Huh? Whenever you go to, I go to Jordan a lot, yeah. but my wife also like, Ask for the oil from the West Bank. It's, it's very good. It, oh, it is the best oil. I, like, I'm just so curious how Pierce is going to react to this right now. Oil ever. And the thing is, the olive trees, they, they you know they survive up to 600 years. Mm -hmm. And they are passed from one generation to the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is like a family heritage. And the way that you do it, so this is zatar. Mm -hmm. Zatar is basically time and you add to it sesame and a bunch of herbs i'm gonna be real with y'all he does not look comfortable right now <laughs> once again like we were analyzing ron DeSantis's body language not comfortable but the whole high heels and the boots thing clearly he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. right now pierce has gone from like i was you know curious as to why you had brought those 
uh, I thought they were props. But uh, yeah, here we are. We're gonna we're gonna eat this, right? And the way that you eat that, you take like a piece of bread. Uh -huh. We don't have to do it now. Maybe uh -huh. at the end of the interview. Yeah. yeah. And you basically yeah, 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 soak sure. it a little bit in the oil. Oh, no, no, that's, that's much better. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, if at all possible, off camera would, would, would probably be preferable. And perhaps just not at all. You know, I, 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 can, I can smell beautiful aroma, you know, uh, an interesting uh, fish of uh, good color, uh, texture. Uh, uh, yes. I'll demonstrate. Should, I'm sure it's a fine olive oil. Here. Chuk, chuk, chuk. And then pretty. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love Arabic food. So I, I, at the end of the interview, you're, you're leaving with this oil. So I will yours. take that. It's yours. That. Well, yeah. thank you. And it's very kind of your no. wife. Thank you. No. Thank you very much for me. Well, I'm the one who bought it, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm doing this at the, right off the top. I remember feeling very uncomfortable, unusually uncomfortable, and thinking I didn't know how to react to that. I didn't know whether I was. Wow. I called it. I mean, I mean, everyone did. I'm not unique in that, right? But yeah, that, that's like, it totally discharged him. Pierce was just, he's no longer able to morally posture because every other interview he's done on the topic with people who might be his detractors, he's always like, yes, but you can admit that the slaughter of civilians on October 7th was bad, right? And like, I don't think people are like by default on the other side of that, like everyone is assuming, like, yes, the, the slaughter of Indian civilians is horrifying. That's, 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 that's going to be acknowledged. But why does everything have to just be about that? You know, the, because if we're against slaughtering civilians... What are the numbers right now? How many civilians have been slaughtered in this bombing campaign so far, right? How many children have been fucking slaughtered? But you could tell he was he was kind of like, uh, I know you're joking, uh, right? But uh, truly, do do condemn Hamas? Oh yeah, get those sons of bitches, get them all, you know, Close bomb every last fucking woman, child, baby. Ended up sort of the IDF is like, how can they know? You if know how many uh, views that tweets at? Nearly forty million. Yeah, me just saying. How are they going to see this message if you've cut the yeah. internet off? Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if the IDF's like, why aren't the Palestinians liking my tweet? Because they don't see it. Right. <laughs> no, but I thought that was a perfectly yeah. correct yeah. assessment of it. Yeah. Um, but the reaction to that tweet I did. How are people this famous so desperate for snaps? Like, you know, I, can't, I couldn't imagine going on a show just wanting to, like, be validated constantly. Just, just being like, you know, but I'm, I'm a good guy, right? I'm a, I'm a good boy, aren't I? You agree? I'm a pretty good boy. I say good things. I, I, I've agreed with you on some takes. Like it's the same thing with Tim Pool. It's just like, you don't watch my show, okay? You don't know. I, I, we'd agree on a lot of things. Sam, Sam, why, why, why are you saying this? I, I posted other episodes where I have an opposite thought. Uh, Emma, well, why aren't you going out for sushi with me? Why don't you come to, to eat sushi with us? was enormous, as everything is in this, mm. in this thing. And I had a lot of people say, finally... Piers, you get it, right? Finally, you get it. And, and I wanted to say, listen, I'm, I'm trying to reach a place where I get this, but mm -hmm. it's an incredibly complicated issue mm -hmm. for someone who is not Arabic or Jewish to poke their head into. And I've had to cover it as a journalist for a long, long time. I think I said to you before that I was editor of a Daily Mirror. And I mean... For all intents and purposes, absolutely. Fuck Pierce Morgan. You know, again, come stain of journalism. But uh, if you can get a, a figure that large to completely start 180 on it, he's already fighting with Ben Shapiro. Like I said, him and Ben Shapiro having an online fight right now and let them fight. Absolutely let them fight. But 
that's going to be a net positive for bringing more people's attention to a potential ceasefire, especially if a lot of right-wingers watch Pierce Morgan on a regular basis, and all of a sudden, a lot of people are wondering why that poll that just came out is showing that the majority of Americans uh, are for a ceasefire, by the way. Um, and obviously, it was like 70% of Democrats, but it was like 56% of Republicans. And it was 56% of Republicans are not on board with just writing a blank check to Israel anymore. This is huge. This is huge. Things are changing. Now, this is not to discount the fucking horrifying realities that are happening on the ground, okay? I, again, have to reemphasize, I am a fucking privileged-ass, cozy streamer uh, talking about this kind of shit or watching this kind of shit uh, for the purposes of entertainment, okay? It could not be the furthest thing from what is actually going on. But, like, everything that inches closer towards an immediate ceasefire in any way, shape, or form is, is a net good. ...England when we oppose the Iraq war, for example... So, you know, I have taken stands on this thing. On this one, I find, and I'm going to be completely straight with you, I discussed this with Jordan Peterson um, mm. this week, and he did a pretty... <laughs> yeah, that would be my response, too. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch his song? Did you watch his new music video? The, the one about drinking? How, how Foucault was a sexual deviant that made us all try to believe that racism was bad. And, and so because of that, we all have to become alcoholics because of the reality. And then he actually turns into the fucking the queen of Antifa at the very end of it. You know, after putting the lipstick on the pig and all that. Have you seen that one? Yeah. The incendiary tweet in which he said, give them hell, Netanyahu, enough is enough. And he was actually very self-reflective about that in the interview we did this week where he later... Oh, fuck off. He doesn't get to absolve himself of this shit just because he was like, you know what he was regretful of? Losing audience members. That's what he was regretful of. And, oh, yeah, maybe I was saying things in the heat of the moment. I lost a lot of Muslim, a lot of Muslim fans and supporters. I had a large Muslim audience and I, I don't know where they're going now. They, they all enjoyed other elements of what I talked about. He issued a 20 minute video because he said sometimes a, a one line tweet can be unnecessarily inflammatory to people. Much better to take time to explain it. Here's, here's where I've got to with this conflict now. I viewed what happened on October the 7th as a, an absolutely appalling atrocity, a terror attack of unimaginable horror. And I absolutely think that Israel has a right to defend itself from the people who committed it, Hamas. Yeah, I don't feel you've changed too much. Like, I know there's a but coming... But right now, basically, you're framing it the same way that every single uh, journalist is. These are all the talking points, right? And I've questioned for the last three, four weeks, what is a proportionate response? And I have said... I mean, I guess we're finally getting some numbers. You know, I keep asking, like, what, what, what is your breaking point? And therefore, if you do what the Israelis are currently doing, which is a ground offensive into Gaza a lot of civilians are going to get killed. And at what point does that become disproportionate or even illegal? And I don't know the answers to those questions. And I have a moral quandary because my instinct is to say that Israel... That moral quandary, by the way, is deeply, deeply embedded in the fact 
that this is the mainstream media narrative that all of us have been consuming our entire lives. It's it's like with so many other things. And once you start to see it for what it is, you kind of have that, you know, they live moment where the glasses come on. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, why are all of these articles being framed this way? Why is it that when the BBC reports on one story, they say Israelis killed and then they say Palestinians dead? Why is the CBC doing the exact same thing? We're both talking about people in both cases. And again, all human life should have equal value. I'm not trying to say that a good dead uh, Israeli civilian is good by any means. I'm, I'm trying to say that if you are disgusted by one act, if you are like October 7th was horrifying, then certainly you must think the exact same thing in the other direction. But why do we have different terms for this? Why is it when you see news reports by the BBC on what Russia is doing in Ukraine, the horrifying things that Russia is doing in Ukraine, they're very blunt about it. It will be like war criminal Putin destroys school, murdering children in gleeful slaughter for the taste of blood. And, and that'll be fucking just plastered on there. And then it'll be like, in strategic uh, strategy to, uh, you know, uh, destroy Hamas headquarters uh, where civilians were previously warned, Israel may have unfortunately struck near some civilian targets. That's that's the headline you'll read. And, and we just consume this all the time and have been for so long before, like, all this new media and independent media really took over and younger generations do not take in the fucking, the nighttime news. They're watching TikTok and they scroll through TikTok and then there's, you know, one of their fucking fans, sorry, one of their, like, you know, parasocial uh, heroes and all of a sudden they're like, hey, by the way, if you didn't know this, this is just basically how this is working out in the numbers right now. We're talking about, again, a terrorist organization that uh, when they came to power 17 years ago, half the population of this area did not exist and while we're not here in any way shape or form to say that it is good what they've done no we're trying to say that this is an occupied area this is an open air prison and inside that open air prison were deplorable conditions in the best of times and these are conditions that have been called out by numerous health uh, sorry world organizations from the united nations to human rights watch to embassy international to the red cross to doctors without borders all of them have been sounding the alarm on this for a very very long time while the world doesn't pay attention doesn't give a shit about it and now now, after this act attack has happened and now the following subsequent absolute carpet bombing of Gaza, like now a lot of people are like, oh, whoa, so so what's the deal with Gaza? What, what, what's going on there? So destroy Hamas after what they did on October the 7th. That is where I'm struggling to find myself saying I condemn it because I believe that they are right to try and destroy Hamas. I would posit that did the invasion of Iraq mission accomplished and everything you know did that defeat terrorism or did that create a whole bunch of new groups new terrorist organizations you know variants of the old ones too there was isis now there's isis k you know isil uh is that what that accomplished you know when when you know thousands of civilians being slaughtered in that campaign and yes uh the united states was engaging by the the international rules of war they were certainly were yeah absolutely now what do you feel about my moral quandary well there is there's a lot of points very long and i think it, this is this will kind of yeah work. is the taliban gone what are, oh they're they're the the ruling power in afghanistan now okay like uh lead the ground rules for that uh interview there is the whole thing about like is a right to defend itself, the condemnation. First of all, let's start with condemnation. Yes. You want my opinion? Yes. Condemning Hamas or condemning Israel? Yes. Completely useless. Mm. Completely useless. Why? You, I condemn Hamas, you condemn Israel, interview is over. What happened? Nothing. Mm. It is just checkpoints, like morality checkpoints. But I've interviewed a lot of pro-Palestinians, for example, some of whom will immediately say 
I unreservedly condemn the terror attacks of October the 7th mm -hmm. and then go on to criticize yeah. Israel. And I think that's a very, well, it's a position I can completely respect. Yeah. But I find it much harder to respect a pro-Palestinian guest on my show if they simply resolutely refuse to say yeah. that they can condemn the terror yeah. attacks. Yes. I find that less... He's literally doing that meme, by the way. He did the meme in real time. You've all seen it. The the one where there's like, you know, a Palestinian mother crying with a dead child and all of these news outlets are with microphones. Do you condemn Hamas? Do you, but do you condemn Hamas? Have you condemned Hamas yet? Do you condemn Hamas, right? Uh, and then he's like, I can understand, you know, why people might see this uh, meme and I can, you know, understand aspects of it. But at the same time, I think it's completely reasonable to, to question whether or not someone uh, finds the October 7th attack to be horrifying before uh, we talk about these topics. Yeah. Worthy of respect. But you see, this is the problem with the news. We go into the circular motion of the same answer. One thing that I have noticed, not just on the coverage of these events, the, the, the events before and before and before, every time this starts, people say, we don't know what's happening. It's a very complicated situation. Right. What is happening now? And for me, as a viewer, if a conflict that's been there for 75 years and the media with all this technology has been covering it and we hear the same exact words, we don't know what's happening. It's complicated. It's a very complex. That is a failure of the media apparatus. That is the failure to themselves Propaganda. and for the audience. Because why every time this happens, it seems like it is happening from, from, from point zero. And I think to help understand that, I will get to the f October 7th. I will get to the condemnation. I will get to the self-defense. But I think maybe we can do, we, we have like all the time in the world, yeah. and we can discuss, this, could, this interview could be a bookmark, yeah. landmark, for maybe looking at that conflict yeah. in a deeper way that nobody had gone there before. Yeah. We have the views, we have people waiting, yes. you know, as I said, I'm the least qualified to discuss that, but... It's an opportunity I'm not, to use listen, it. I'm not massively yeah, well qualified I, myself. Yeah, both of us. I'm, like, a, I mean, I'm, look an, at us. I'm two, an Irish Catholic, I mean, right? Look at us, yeah, two privileged people. One white, one, mm. one white, white wannabe. <laughs> discussing <laughs> discussing the, the, the most complex conflict of, of, our, of our history. But I think it's an important issue. Yes. I think there is a rise of anti-Semitism in the world. And I think there is, uh, this is very dangerous. And I, as a Muslim who has been through events where there were terrorist attacks somewhere mm. and that reflects to us on us i uh, i can completely uh, completely feel that uh, and i think it is very important to agree on the language because the word anti-semite has been used and abused and most most of the time not on for the you know for the good in, um, interest of the mm. jewish people because the first two days of the coverage, I watched the news and, I, and there was a lot of um, protest that was led by Jewish Voice for Peace. Mm -hmm. And they were led by people who opposed the Israeli attack on the civilians. And I remember quite well, many of the Republican representatives in Congress came out and they were calling these the global intifada, the global jihad. I love it when they say jihad. They sound like a horse. Jihad. It's very funny. Uh, or they, uh, they say, like, these are, and I quote, Iranian-backed jihadists. Mm. And I said, wait a minute, but most of those people are Jewish. Those people who took... Just start, are you talking about 
what Bassam is saying, I completely agree with him 100%. I, I, I think that anti-Semitism is a very real, uh, horrifying uh, reality, especially for, you know, Jewish people who have to live with fucking right-wing Republicans, far-right Christian nationalists, Christian fascists, alt-writers, all of them constantly trying to fucking both in one hand posture that they're, you know, defenders of Israel, while at the same time fucking spreading globalist conspiracy theories, you know, about the Jews and stuff like that. Fuck all that noise that, like, you know, with the highest fucking order anti-semites are disgusting ass racists that's all there is um and conspiracy theorists in addition to that um and i think the problem comes into when people start labeling anyone who is speaking out and and as directly associating all jewish people as a monolith with the actions of israel and so that there's anything that israel does it can include war crimes can include war crime after war crime after war crime after war crime and if you criticize any aspect of that any part of that people will label you an anti-semite for doing so and then i remember it's like oh jewish people in america are saddled by the fact that they are not citizens of America or citizens of the world, but they are citizens of Israel and they have to back Israel in whatever they do. And these are not my words. These are the words of John Stewart. He went out and he said, and said like, and he said, it's very, very important to divide these two. And what is very, very interesting- well, Would you compare that on that specific point to the way that people try and say all Palestinians are responsible and accountable for oh, what Hamas do. Yes, uh, yeah. In other words, I think you can be very critical of Israeli government oh, and their policies yes. and Benjamin Netanyahu and the politicians, but that doesn't mean that you have to take that criticism to innocent Israelis who may have exactly the same criticism themselves. And this is why it is very important to have these kind of discussions, because it, it the funniest, not the funniest, the saddest thing that I saw is the people that were in so much support of Israel, mm. are anti-Semite themselves. MTG, 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 uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, mm. you know, she said like, oh, those are, I send my aides, and they took pictures of the protesters. Basically, she's surveilling protesters. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is very known for a very famous post in 2018, where she blamed the California wildfire uh, fires on a Jewish, space laser gun. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? I, I said like, oh, they were burned because Jewish investors, Rothschild and Finstein, anything with, that ends with time, because that's of course sounds Jewish, they put a satellite and shooting laser beams to... It's, it's possible. And, and, and not just her. You have uh, Steve Scolalis, uh, 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 thank you so much. Uh, he is the, now the, the Speaker of the House. And he has been invited before in a, in a, in a, for an organization that was funded by David Duke, the founder of the KKK. You have this was, Kevin I guess, McCarthy, reported a who while is ago. the former minority speaker, uh, uh, leader of, of the Republican Party in the House. And he accused Jewish billionaires of rigging the midterm. So how come those people are accusing us of anti-Semites? So here's the thing. So go, let's go to the equation that Nikki Haley put on Twitter. Mm. Anti-Zionism equals anti-Semitism. No, it is true. People who hate Jews, they're also anti-Zionists. It is true. Mm. And you could be someone who hates Zionists, who don't like Zionism, and you are Semite. You could even be Jewish. Mm. And guess what? You could be a Zionist, like those people, uh, supporting Israel, and at the same time you hate the Jews. Because the chant, Jews will not replace us, these echoed in Charlottesville. It did not echo in Gaza. I mean, in Gaza, they say oh, in, in between the bombing on their downtime. But, and these are the same people who are seen with Nick Fuentes, 
with with Stephen Bannon. And you know what's Donald most Trump interesting? Donald Trump had him for dinner yes. at Mar-a-Lago. And all of those people are buddies with Benjamin Netanyahu. Mm. So how does this work? Mm. How does this work? Mm. And you know the people who speak against this, like John Stewart, like Bernie Sanders, like uh, Naomi Klein? What do they call these people? What do they call them? Self-hating Jews. And you know what else they, now they call them? They call them Kapus. Mm. Kapus. You know what's Kapus? Kapus, basically these were the Jewish inmates in Auschwitz that were forced by the Nazis wow. to stand as guards mm. on their own inmates. You see how degrading this is. Mm. And this is the way to shut down conversation. Mm. Anti-Semite, Islamophobe, you hate America, you hate the military, you hate Egypt, war on Christmas. This is how you shut <laughs> an environment <laughs> that does not allow disagreement is not an environment made for let growth. Me, okay. It's an environment made for control. Let me, I'm, I'm, I like telling stories. And I'm going to tell you a very nice story. Tell and this what? is the story, surprise, surprise, of the suffering and the plight of the Jewish people. And I want to say that because it is very interesting when you see the trauma and the suffering that the people on the other side went through, you might understand why, why they're coming through. So this is... See this? Mm -hmm. This is a map of all of the history of the expulsion of the Jews in Europe. They have been like, I have not, never seen a minority being kicked around this much, right? And of course, this comes back to the, you know, the whole idea about the original sin that you have uh, betrayed uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the blood of Jesus is on your head. And then comes the 11th century. At that time, Jewish people were not allowed to own land. They were just peasants. Even some of the professions were not even allowed to participate in. But they were allowed to do one thing, usury, money lending, because it was prohibited by the Catholic Church to engage into that. So what happens when you work in money? You get richer, right? And those Jews lived in ghettos. Now, ghettos was not just like isolated neighborhoods and cities. Sometimes ghettos were outside the city. This is like how isolated they were. And in those ghettos, they have to pay gold to the mayor or the governor or the prince or the noble. So they would say, mm, you're getting richer. I need more taxes. So they pay tax. What happens when you have a business and they increase your rent? You increase your service, increase the taxes. Increase the so what happened? What, the Christians started to default. And suddenly, the image of the greedy Jew was created. Shylock, merchant of Venice. This was the kind of oppression that the Jewish people went through. Fast forward 19th century, there was like the Eastern Jew in Ukraine and, and Russia, and there was the Western Jews in Europe. Those people in the East, the Eastern Jews, had to immigrate because they were pogroms and they were like, you know, kicked out. And that, at a certain point, the people in the West, especially in England, it's like, mm, there are too many Jews. We need a solution. The solution for what? For the Jewish problem. So it's like, we need to get rid of them. And you know what? Palestine was not even on the, in the A list. Palestine was in the B list. Because England proposed 6,000 square miles in Uganda for the Jews, 1903. And the reason why Palestine was not on the list, that it was objected by a lot of rabbis that said, like, it's a promised land, but only when the Messiah comes. But uh, there were other options, Argentina, South Africa, Uganda, Madagascar. And eventually, they said, all right, let's do Palestine. So they went to Palestine in 1914. There was 700,000 people living in Palestine, 3% were Jewish. 1917, Belfort Declaration. Arthur Belfort, he called the Jewish people in England that they are alien and hostile race. And the thing is, the only Jewish member of the parliament
This is an incredible uh, little, you know, uh, short summary of a, a lot of history that you could probably, yeah, people are saying this, the episode of Behind the Bastards also uh, explains this pretty well. Um, but yeah, the, really, really important that he's, that he's going through each one of these. Of the English part of Lord Montenegro, he Because, by the way, England gets such a pass in the fucking history books. Like, we all think of, like, you know, the Nazis as evil, but the British Empire did so much fucked up shit, racist shit, you know, the Bengal famine and stuff. Like, there's so much shit the British Empire did, and then it, it's kind of like, ah, yeah, the silly British, those, those people. Anti Semitic shit, horrifying, you know, hatred of Jews, like, no question. Like, these are British citizens, they, we should not kick them out so they pushed them they pushed them but it was not going fast enough came the nazis and then it was not about the solution anymore it was the end losing the final solution by hitler because he needed an answer for the jewish question the judifreide and then the as you see the holocaust happened the most orchestrated industrialized horrible genocide in our modern time six million jews died so it accelerated and they went First of all, they left East Europe and they went to West Europe and they went to America and they were turned down and they were pushed towards Palestine. So by 1948, right before the declaration of the state of Israel, there were two million people living there. Only 30% of them was Jews. So the whole idea of like a land without a people to a people without a land was a marketing thing. They were already Palestinians. So suddenly, overnight, 1948, there were 1.5 million Palestinians, seven, half of them, three quarters of them were overnight pushed into refugees. Yeah. And this is why it's called the Nakba, the catastrophe. So now we have all of this building up into the minds. And, that, and so, suddenly this was like a conflict, a hate, a problem that we didn't have to do anything with. This was basically pushed on us by the Europeans. You see, so this is why it is important to say that. And I'm not saying that just like, oh, let's wipe out the state of Israel. Let's like push up in the sea. No, but it's important when you talk about the conflict, that you talk about the root causes, right? No, there, were a, there was like a vibrant Palestinian culture happening over there. And right now they are erasing this culture. Suddenly I'm seeing of like Israeli feta cheese, Israeli hummus. Oh, that's an insult. Israeli hummus. Come on. I mean, take the land, but leave the hummus, man. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. You are someone who's always spoken against culture, uh, uh, cancel culture. Mm -hmm. Right now, a whole culture is canceled. Official stand of the Palestinian Authority, and again, I cannot speak, I mean, mm -hmm. it is very difficult to do this. The official stand of the Palestinian Authority is that we are just happy with 22% of the land. Just give mm -hmm. us like that. Yes, there are people that descend, but the thing is, you cannot just say, okay, let's talk about peace. And then you take away my land. Let's talk about peace. And there's there's a kind of like... Also, like when people talk about that, you know, the meme, it's complicated. Um, what is going on right now in terms of just like the devastation, the destruction of Gaza, when you're talking about, you know, uh, a civilization, sorry, a population of over half children being cut off from food, water, medical supplies, all that kind of stuff. They are being starved, all that kind of stuff. That one, that one is very, very clear. And just like how the late great Michael Brooks put it, right? Like this is not an asymmetrical relationship by any measure. We're talking about the most powerful nation militarily supported directly by the most powerful uh, empire in the world right now, the United States and, and all this right is against uh, a set of you know in, in one corner in the Gaza Strip uh, you know a guerrilla faction of what has been deemed a terrorist group uh, and in the other faction uh, in the West Bank the the thing with the West Bank is if you look at it closer now 
it is really, really subdivided. And there's a lot of roads intentionally uh, dividing areas of it where the very idea, if someone was to say just easily like, hey, the solution is a lot more complicated than what is going on and what needs to stop immediately, right? But in terms of the solution, if you're like, well, just give Palestinians the entirety of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, and then, well, it's not really in existence. Like 42% of homes are like destroyed or damaged now, but just give them the West Bank. That itself has been made immensely more complex than it ever was before because of the fact that, again, there is so many of these passageways that all have checkpoints on them. This is why it's been, you know, labeled as a system of apartheid by, you know, UN organizations as well as Amnesty International, specifically because of their a different quality or a different status of life for different citizenry that operate and work in that area. And that's where a lot of work is done, too, by the way. There's a lot of labor that has been done there, a lot of production that has been done there for a lot of corporations and companies. So a lot of the employees who go through that area have to usually go through a lot of checkpoints and check systems. Massive aggressiveness happening. Oh, let's talk about it, but I'm going to build settlements. I'm going to suffocate your cities and your villages. See, I think that has been incredibly inflammatory. Yes. Worsening the situation. I think putting back the chance of peace. I mean, Netanyahu, I interviewed Netanyahu earlier this year in the middle of the big social protests in his own country. And I couldn't understand what he thought he was doing, except that it seemed to me political expediency, that he had to to get power, uh, you know, again. He had put a bunch of right-wing headbangers into his cabinet who have incredibly bad records. Right-wing headbangers for someone first About uh, <laughs> Palestinians, for example. And that he did this for power. And then he launched, a, because they were pushing him to do it, a ridiculous assault on the integrity of the Supreme Court, the independence of the Supreme Court. And, and many Israelis rose up. So mm-hmm. Netanyahu is, has become, to me, a big problem. Right, and, and the people, that all the polling shows that. Israeli people are very unhappy with Netanyahu. I don't think he's ever going to actually want to forge peace. And in fact, I think he was instrumental with Hamas in wanting to keep them in power because he felt that that would create the split with the Palestinians, yeah. with two political groups, and that would be good for Israel. And it was leaked in a Likud uh, conference in 2019 yeah. that he was bragging about giving Hamas money because this is a way that we can keep Palestinians divided, and yet so we, we, and we'll never have one. So this is a guy who but, was... But, but look, we can agree about Netanyahu, I think. No, right? but not just Netanyahu. There, there's a book... I, I, that, there, I know I'd say most of his cabinet. There, there's that. a book called The Fear of Peace. It's mm. by Moshe Zimmerman. Mm. And he's an Israeli historian, and he said, like, the average Israeli citizen does not have a vision of peace. Because for 70 years, this is a country that has been, the military, war has been going on for, they have been expanding because of war, the military is taking over. So the whole idea of peace is not even there. It's not just Netanyahu. Like, like you have, I remember you have interviewed uh, Naftali Bennett. Yes. And I think you tweeted that like that was like uh, a very um, kind of reasonable take. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I said reasonable. No. Yeah, yeah. But like I, I, this, Naftali, in the, he went after Queen Rania, mm. and he called up shame on Queen Rania. No, I didn't say reasonable. I just said this. Is, I, I did a, a fire emoji. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just said that what he was saying. Yeah. I'm- I don't know if you're trolling, I can't tell yet, but I, I don't know if uh, what people would suggest. Would Palestinians or Hamas want to kill all the people in Israel if Israel didn't retaliate? There's no question that like mandates and also the things that like you know the current leader of Hamas uh, is saying, because there's just that news clip that just came out today, are certainly uh, anti-Israeli. And, and they're certainly talking about you know uh, destroying Israel. But 
you have to again put this in context not as in you could justify the things that he says as in how was the formation of Hamas that's what uh, Bassam is trying to do right now he's like there was a more secular organization that did not have religious fundamentalism at its core and, and this same organization at the time that was you know during that period uh, all the way back I believe in 2007 it was like almost 17 years ago or 2006 when uh, you know uh, they were elected into power if you you know read up on it look at the article and the video made by Mediasan on The Intercept, for example, explains this. Um, there was a push amongst um, the Israeli government at the time uh, to lean towards wanting, uh, you know, the um, uh, the more extremist group, the more religious fundamental group, fundamentalist group to come to power uh, with the goals of saying that this one would fundamentally cause more support, drum up more support for, uh, you know, potential action that is taken against people in the Gaza Strip if there is a insurgent military terrorist organization. Uh, or perhaps a religious fundamentalist organization that is declaring jihad, that is declaring the extermination uh, of Jewish people, or you know, declaring the extermination of uh, you know uh, Israeli citizens, anything like that. In conjunction with, we now fast forward to the future, half the population, due to both the living conditions and the constant attacks, half the population living in Gaza is children, which means those people weren't alive to vote Hamas into power, but they are still trapped in this open air prison because no one gets in and no one gets out without the permission of Israel. And that 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 expands all the way to people who are like, I've seen reporters asking questions like, why don't they have an airport? Why is their, their water system? Well, a lot of that is in part because of Israel, because of blockades that Israel was putting on. They destroyed an existing airport that was there, as well as the fact that all of their water supplies and all the control therein and, and uh, all of that used to have to be directly approved by uh, the Israeli government. Uh, they would be the ones that dictate, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they control all of the flow of resources into Gaza, the food, the fuel, the medicine, all of the first aid stuff that comes through, all the humanitarian trucks that come through. They used to have to depend on one. 100 truckloads a day worth of, uh, you know, supplies and stuff like that to be able to have the horrifying conditions that were present prior to the 2023 bombing campaign. Now they've been effectively cut off from everything everything and and we're getting these like little posturings by like you know joe biden and stuff it's like we we're really happy to report that 45 trucks have uh, trickled through and uh, we're, we're proud of our humanitarian trickle yes it's a, we know it's a trickle they actually even use that term trickle we know it's a trickle the fucking they said it out loud um like no, nothing can justify any of this nothing uh if you are looking to eliminate a problem you are doing the actions that create more problems and accelerate everything. Look look at other nations right now, Yemen now declaring war on Israel. Um, that's horrifying. That, 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 that's definitely an escalation of, of countries in that region suddenly thinking uh, that, you know, because they're seeing, and everyone around the world is seeing it, but because they're seeing just the incredibly heavy death toll, the slaughter, just the, the mass slaughter and ethnic cleansing of a whole bunch of Palestinian civilians and children, uh, that that is, you know, making them call to arms. This, this whole thing is accelerating out of control, and people keep comparing it to 9-11, and even talking in terms of 9-11. This was worse than 9-11. This was 20 9-11s. Well, we've already had a 9-11 worth of dead children, just in children so far, in this bombing campaign. That's not counting the thousands of children who were trapped underneath rubble. Uh, it, it is like a humanitarian crisis of the highest order. Um, to, to, to meet that crisis with, again, the destruction and devastation of schools, hospitals, 
refugee camps, just destroying them time after time after time again. That that is what is going to radicalize lots of people. That 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 is what is going to create uh, radical extremists and insurgents. In the same way, the United States post nine eleven did in Iraq. Like all of that to, to destroy the terrorists, to take on the war on terror, you created new terrorist organizations. And, and now there's so many different variations of those terrorist organizations. This strategy, which, you know, even officials like generals in the United States have said, you kill one terrorist, you create two. The, the reason for that is that the, 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 the impetus to, to suddenly want to fight against your oppressor becomes far more clear when the oppressor has killed one of your family or all of your family or all of a family line, right? Like that guy who, who, who lost like 21 family members and is now doing TV interviews where he has to talk about that uh, and be asked in the midst of that, do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Like in, 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 in amongst everything else? Like how horrifying the, the, like to do that in amongst everything else? He's like, yeah, he may condemn Hamas, but I'm sure as hell sure that he condemns the people who just bombed his entire family out of existence as well. And to many in our region, it makes the Western world complicit. Uh, now, other people say, well, okay, if you feel that strongly, why aren't you taking in any Palestinians? Why is Egypt not taking ah, Palestinians? Why does the Arab world want to constantly attack Israel without actually offering any place to go for the Palestinians? And what do you say to that? That is Well, first off, um, it's their home right like <laughs> that's that's kind of like a, a really you know larger scale version of when people are like hey do you oppose homelessness i do i do yeah i, I wish there wasn't homeless people do you house homeless people in your home i don't know but like i we're part of a society i i think that you know i, I pay taxes that we could all combine together to use some of that money for public housing rather than say, you know, as much money as we put into, uh, I don't know, the military industrial complex or something like that. But I, I, I can be opposed to one while not simultaneously doing the other. But in the other direction, they do, by the way, that that used to be one of the few places where you could uh, leave uh, the Gaza Strip because there is the Rafa crossing that connects both the borders of Egypt uh, and uh, the Strip. But that border, once again, is completely controlled by Israel. And anyone who wants to leave or, 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 or you know, uh, pass through has to have the approval of the Israeli government. It's exactly what Israel wants. And that is exactly what actually starts Third War III. This is the war solution. These are Palestinians. These are their lands. Mm. And then suddenly take them. Why? So they've been basically kicked around from their homes. And now another country should take them? You see what would happen? Imagine this. Mm. Now. And because Israeli officials have been talking openly about this. It's like, why don't they just go in Sinai? Why they go? You know what would happen? Those people are going to be pushed in Sinai. And with any population, two million people, they are living in refugee camp. What do you think will happen? Unrest. Mm. Uh, uh, chaos. Mm. And then after a few years, the Western media will come with their cameras like, oh, look at those Arabs. Oh, they're killing each other. Oh, Israel is good that they got rid of them. And then they will go to the West Bank. And so then those 3.5 million people push into Jordan. This, the whole idea, why does Jordan take them? Why does Egypt take them? The same question. Europe has 44 countries. Why don't they take Israel? Mm. 
America has 50 states. Why don't they give them Florida? I mean, they, we seem to complain about Florida the whole time. Why don't they just like give uh, Israel? The whole idea was like, oh, you're Arabs, you're all the same. No, no, no. Because what would happen then? So Israel will move into Jordan? It's like, oh, Saudi, why don't you take the Jordanian? So let me, the, 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 this is not I a solution. You, I hear, this I is hear, not a solution. Basim, I, I hear you. I'm not taking your position yeah. the other way. Let me ask you. <laughs> but I want to say something Courageous. about what Queen Radia said. Okay. The whole idea about like the West. Yeah. I think that in three weeks, Israel morally corrupted the West like no other. I think the West will have a lot of time to recover because for years, the West has been telling us, oh, look, we're liberal. We're all about human rights. All are equal. Adopt our values, and then suddenly, well, you, you don't want to even to cease, we don't want to even tell Israel to stop, and suddenly we wake up and we find McDonald's are giving free meals to the Israeli because like nothing will make you feel better after killing a bunch of okay. Palestinian okay. kids than a happy meal. But, but, but he, it's not, it's not, in his eyes, it wasn't eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it was this group of terrorists did this, and we are now going to rid the world of these terrorists. And this is very important to look at things in context. When you see how Israelis talk inside their community, mm -hmm. there was a very famous post by Uriel uh, Eritzol. He is the uh, speechwriter of uh, Netanyahu. He said, "What is so horrific about understanding that the whole Palestinian people are our enemies? All of them are enemy combatants. We should kill them, kill their mother, destroy their homes, the homes that they raised those snakes, so no snakes will be raised in this house anymore." And this was reposted by Ali Chaket, which is the minister of Wait for It Justice. Mm -hmm. Those, it's not about Hamas anymore. It is not about Hamas. They, they can tell you it's about Hamas, but it's not about Hamas. It is basically, it has, they have said it many times, Pierce. This is a way to kind of push them into Sinai. This is not about eradicating Hamas. This ship has sailed. I am sorry, but like, I, the, anybody who still believes that this is about Hamas is stupid. Because you they- see, I, I don't agree with that. Really? No, because I think... Why, so why are why they... I'll tell you what, I don't agree. There are like 100 people... I think any Gaza country, and, uh, any country that suffered the kind of terror attack that Israel suffered with the kind of death toll that occurred that day, 1,500 plus people, grandmothers, kids, young women being raped, kidnapped, beheaded, it's been reported, and so on. Well, you can raise an eyebrow. I mean, they found a, they found a young woman's skull, right? Somehow but, uh, but it had been... But on 9-11, over 3,000 Americans lost their lives. They were non-combatants. They were innocents. If we oh. just relocate all Israeli citizens to Florida, it's about the same size, and remade all holy sites. Easy fix. You want the holy land? How about Disneyland? Saki Tanuki, thank you for the five gifted subs. And uh, no, I don't uh, endorse any relocation or forced relocation of people. That's uh, not what I'm here for. But I uh, deeply appreciate the subs. Thank you. And uh, yeah, when, when talking about this, the Pierce Morgan, uh, Bassam should, uh, you know, he's, he's always going to be in a position right now where he has to, you know, well, are you asking me to defend the horrifying uh, events that occurred on October 7th? Because that's what Pierce does. He loves positioning everything because he wants to be in a position of authority he likes history beginning exactly on that date and again if you look at what happened on 9-11 over 3,000 Americans lost their lives as the planes crashed into the towers many of them who weren't burned alive were jumping out of buildings to their deaths horrifying uh, loss of life horrifying tragedy um, did that justify the illegal invasion of Iraq did, did that justify the the bombing 
of Iraq. Clean up your room. The the the, the absolute slaughter of civilians. You know, uh, and the 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 fact that during that time, the the idea being that we were going to stop Saddam, we're going to you know get the weapons of mass destruction, we're going to destroy terrorism, we're defeating terror. I don't know if you all remember George Bush was very clear on this. You're with us. Or you're against us. That was always said. Are you part of the, you know, the the powers or the axis of evil? Do you want to be one of the axis of evil? No one wants to be the axis of evil, okay? And and don't don't join that coalition. Join us. Come on, Tony Blair. You you can do it. Get get Britain involved. Let's all go in there. Let's all do this kind of shit. And he didn't have weapons of mass destruction. He did not have, you know, huge uh, deposits of uh, yellow cake uranium that he was transferring into nuclear weapons to try and just destroy every country or just take on the West. Uh, Iraq had never, uh, you know, uh, invaded America. Iraq had never, you know, bombed America. And yet it was all just justified and, and everyone stood back and this was supposed to get rid of terrorism. And what did it do? It creates a power vacuum in which a whole bunch of new terrorist organizations suddenly emerged and suddenly a lot of people have a lot of very justifiable anger at the United States, NATO, and the West, because again, all these people who are backing this, they suddenly see to themselves, whoa, whoa, these are the people who are bombing our cities, these are the people who are leveling our towns, these are the people who are crushing our children. Uh, this is going to be with much less uh, power, by the way, far less military power, this is going to be how we form our resistance, and they form it in the form of terrorism, terrorist organizations, who, yes, will use methods that are condemned, that are that are prohibited, that are war crimes, when you, when you sue suicide bomb uh, a location filled with civilians, for example. You can't simply look at that and, and say, the solution is more. More what? More bombs. More bombs. It worked in Vietnam. It worked in Afghanistan. I mean, it worked in all the neighboring countries during the Vietnam War. Laos, Cambodia, right? Uh, more bombs, more defoliant, more DDT. Keep bombing, keep bombing, keep bombing. And eventually we'll win. Eventually we will defeat... Well, what's our goal? Terrorism? So an idea? We'll defeat an idea. We'll get rid of an idea and then there will be no more terrorism. And then continue, by the way, to keep people. And now, by the way, if, if like I, I would still love to hear a single plausible what is a what is happening next uh, line out of, say, Joe Biden or any other official who's not only backing this entire campaign militarily, but also, you know, vocally and spreading a lot of propaganda that is falsifiable. This is coming from the president of the United States. It must be true. He just said it. You know, he, he saw the beheaded babies himself firsthand. Um, that the White House then has to walk back, right? I would love to know what will happen next, because if 42% of homes are damaged or destroyed, if entire areas, we're not just talking like a, a building, we're just talking blocks and blocks and blocks. You can see the satellite footage. It's gone. There's just nothing there. It's dust. What happens next? Is, are, are the borders being redrawn again? Is, is that area newly occupied Israeli territory? Uh, are, are the borders going to remain? Is there going to be a rebuilding effort? Are they still going to be kept in an open air prison where, again, all of their food, fuel, water, uh, even like, you know, their ability to generate electricity is completely controlled by the Israeli government? Uh, well, they have such terrible conditions that they require vast amounts of humanitarian aid to be able to even maintain those terrible conditions. Is it just going to revert back to that? What happens to the like hundreds of thousands of people who no longer have homes? They don't even have communities. They don't have blocks. They're just everything is gone. You know. What about the babies that were beheaded? Well, there was a report, and you and I had this discussion on that. Uh, one message, Andy. Thank you for subscribing to Tier One. 
appreciate you. You falsely quoted me, and I wanted to clarify that with yeah. you in person. You thought I'd said that 40 babies had been so beheaded. what did you say? I never said that. What did you say? I said it's been reported that 40 babies were killed, some of whom had been beheaded. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a you win, checkmate. <laughs> you said no, first off. He was like, I never said that. And I was like, Ben Shapiro never said that? No, he didn't. Tucker Carlson never said that? No, he didn't. Totally different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Look, I never said that there was 40 beheaded babies, even though, like, I'll, I'll bring the clip up again. Uh, he did reference the 40 beheaded babies story. But what he said is that babies had been killed and some of them had been beheaded. What number? We can't be sure. Yes. It's very different. Well, it is different. Yes. Do you, you accept it? Um, English is a second language, so... So they're different. Yeah. Language, <laughs> course, yeah. sure. Saying 40 babies have been beheaded and 40 <laughs> babies have been reported to have been killed, including so where some are those beheaded who were beheaded. Babies? Well, apparently journalists are being shown utterly okay. horrific okay. footage. This didn't say it. And, and babies beheaded and, and all the rest of this sort of stuff. And no. Ron DeSantis didn't say Nobody it. Nobody has said okay, it. But, uh, Peter, no, nobody haven't. said it? No. Reading this new revelation about 40 babies being killed oh and some of them Damn. being beheaded. And oh, okay. Okay, maybe I am wrong. Decapitated. Yeah, you're thing. wrong. I've never said the that. Thing this is the hospital said that they have received warning, multiple warning from Israel that they're going to mm -hmm. hit the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then at the time of the hit of the hospital, one of the top aides of Netanyahu, he tweeted about, like, we hit the hospital. And then he deleted it. And then basically, like, Israel gaslighted the world. Didn't, didn't just talk about that. He said that they were intentionally uh, and successfully targeted a Hamas uh, headquarters. And then once all of the news that the entire world was just horrified and shocked, uh, all of a sudden, and people were being like, ah, uh, you know, ceasefire now, then that tweet got taken down. Most in, but that's why I said most independent. No, that's not true. New York Times actually, like, just published something to prove that it was shot from Israel. And I think it's... No, okay. they didn't, though. Okay, now... So the New York Times investigative report, just so we're completely clear on this, does uh, disprove the official stories of the IDF, which has also been backed up by the U.S. and Canada. And neither the U.S. or Canada are, uh, have submitted new evidence to the contrary, but they say that based on the timeline, the trajectory, the strike, the type of impact, their own digital forensic team has concluded that the official story is not true, as was the same conclusion by Channel 4, which means that this time there is no conclusive proof in one direction or another, is insofar as someone can definitively say. There is Inclusive proof of the other bombings, like the refugee camp that was just bombed. It was bombed again today. Yeah, Israel took claim for that one. Is that one? Is that one horrifying enough? How, how, how about the, the the church, or the mosque, or the other mosque, or the other mosque, or the other hospital, or the bakery? The bakery got bombed. The one that people were waiting in line for entire days to get one loaf of bread. They had to wait for fucking hours to get that one fucking loaf of bread. They took that bakery out, and now there's no more bakery. Yeah, so how about that? Is that is that horrifying? Is the white phosphorus horrifying? How about the evacuees who were trying to leave in, in like a vehicle that was designated for evacuees leaving? That was bombed. And apparently it was mostly women and children who were in those vehicles. Not that that should always matter, but that seems to be sometimes the only thing that affects people's emotions. What Was that one also okay? Is, is, are, are these all acceptable? It's, it's, it's like, is this acceptable? Is this acceptable? Is that acceptable? This one is being called into question. Let's let's sit on this one. Okay. Oh, uh, a church just got bombed. What? Yeah, and a refugee camp. What? Oh, the same day that this hospital was bombed, by the way, and called into question, they had also bombed a refugee camp. 
a different refugee camp, not the one that was bombed again today. That refugee camp, five people died in that bombing. That one was confirmed to be done by Israeli airstrikes. That was the same day that everyone was debating online. Okay, everyone rushed to this one. Look, fake news. Uh, this hospital actually was uh, a Hamas rocket that misfired. Uh, there's video evidence. Oh, they've released, uh, you know, a recording from two people who are apparently, uh, you know, both Hamas insurgents being like, here's the, the bad thing we're going to do. And it's uh, in, in, you know, separate audio channels because yeah, that doesn't mean or matter, but that, that is kind of weird. And then, of course, a lot of people are calling into question this authenticity of this recording being like, these aren't uh, the accents or, or the dialect that is used by people in that region. But, you know, who am I to say? I don't know. I don't speak the language. I'm just uh, yet another person who has to sit by and say that, yes, as of right now, the official story is that we do not know. There is no conclusive proof in one direction or another. However, there is so far releases of reports that have stated, one of them being the New York Times, that the official account revealed by the IDF and then again backed up by the President of the United States is falsifiable. That's that's as far as we've gotten on that one, on that particular war crime. There's a lot of other war crimes to choose if you want to be outraged. They didn't. Numbers. That's, that's not true. Okay. The New York Times has not reported that it was Israel. No, they said... They, they haven't. Okay. That's not true. Over 10 years, Hamas launched 35,000 rockets into Israel. They and many killed, failed. They killed 69 people. Mm. And 25% uh, military, only part of them were civilians. So over 10 years of 35,000 rockets... They killed 69 people. But in one strike, you want to tell me that these glorified firecrackers caused that kind of damage. Thing in the morning, he thinks about being there at 5 o'clock at the first 50 people in the line for bread because yeah. if he doesn't, he will miss the food for his family. And he goes back and he finds a message saying that we are going to bomb your house. He comes back, he loses his old family. Now tell me, what is a proportionate response for that? I don't know. I don't know. You cannot create terrorism and then you... Uh, I, I don't know. You have... They, they have created would this. You, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm perfectly befuddled right now, but certainly, certainly it's not good, right? Not good. Yeah. I, I mean, if someone had wiped out your entire family, I mean, there's multiple family lines that are gone. They're just gone. There's, there's, they have no more. The trees are, are, are done. That's the end. That's the end of their story. Multiple fucking. Yeah. What, what, what is the proportional response to that? And again, we're talking about an occupying force. We're talking about an oppressive force. Like, you can be horrified at that. You can be absolutely horrified at that and, and recognize what is going on. Turn your humanity on for two seconds. Just, just absolutely do that. And, and in the same breath, we can, we can be adults here. We can, we can hold multiple truths to be right simultaneously. And, and still, Pierce, I know, like, like everyone, justifiably and rightfully uh, horrified by what happened on October 7th. And then realize how, in, in what universe do you consider this a proportional response to a population that you are already starving? Star that was the first fucking war crime, was being like, we're cutting off all food, all water. All food, all water, to a population of half kids. So, hey, to the fucking half children in the population of 2.2 million people, no food, no water. That's it. The answer. But, Bassam, let me ask you this. Hamas will have known when they perpetrated 
what they did on October the 7th, what the scale of response was likely to be. How does that help the Palestinian people I don't know. that they are supposed to serve? I don't know. The, 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 the wheels are it, already it, set in motion. But it doesn't, does it? I do not... You know, <laughs> I feel sometimes that Hamas is with us in the room. <laughs> 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 he should have. He should have worn a shirt. <laughs> I condemn Hamas just on a shirt. They would have saved so much time. He could have. He could have. He's just done this every couple of minutes. I think we agree Hamas are a terror group. Okay, let's say. Well, ha- okay. Let me finish my question. Mm-hmm. Given that we agree that Hamas is a terror mm-hmm. organization, mm-hmm. who have a publicly stated position. You are turning off part of your brain for this. You have to, to, to be able to like continuously try and reframe this with like just mental gymnastics. Like I, I can agree. All right. I can agree that it is horrifying, terrible conditions. There's been forced displacement. Yeah. I heard what you said that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in a single night had to suddenly move to other parts. Uh, and obviously that that is forced displacement. And yes, they're kept in an open air prison. And yes, the conditions there are deplorable. And yes, they control all of the flow of anything inside and out of that area, including food, fuel, water, and in the best of conditions, obviously it shows that they were drinking very unpotable water. 93% of it wasn't potable. They needed fuel in order to be able to boil it in a lot of cases. And obviously they had rolling blackouts and what little power they had would be for a couple hours a day. All that is terrible and horrible, obviously. But you can agree that Hamas is evil, right? Like, insofar as I've said everything here, just if we isolate this and we look at this, just why don't we start history on October 7th? Much like the history of the U.S. began, you know, on on September 11th, that that we can look at at that and then use it as a justification for what? Of annihilating not just Israel, but Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And as we saw on October the 7th, they mean it. If you are Israel, what do you do? To get rid of those people that's the same who question have you shown asked, the world like that's exactly back. what they will actually do if they get the chance. You know what I would do? I would give the Palestinians what they deserve. Terrorism is a virus. Mm. Yes. It's a virus. I agree. If a patient with a flu came to you and you're a doctor, mm. how can you treat that patient? How do you treat them? as a doctor? How do you do? Well, you're the doctor. You give them nutrition, yeah. fluids, yeah. and rest. So the immunity of the body gets rid of the virus on its own. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so good. Oh, that was so good. That was so nice. You know, I, I can't see if any of that is processed at all. He's probably just thinking about Hamas being behind him or something like that. But yeah, like, because I was, I was going to say way less eloquently. I, I was going to be, be like, well, the strategy that has been tried for, let's just say, a long time now doesn't seem to be having the intended effect. If anything, you know, in harshly oppressing people in some of the most uh, uh, horrifying, you know, crises of humanity that is taking place on the globe right now in this, again, open air prison uh, where they are constantly terrorized and, uh, you know, they, they, they have unlimited, sorry, they have limited access to, to the basic necessities of life. And then every so now and then uh, after a rocket strike is shot out of the air by the Iron Dome, uh, they get fucking bombed to the ground. Uh, they will take out, you know, uh, medical centers. They'll take out COVID testing centers. They'll take out bakery schools, refugee camps, all of that. They'll raid mosques. Uh, you know, they are under a constant threat of fear, terrorism, and, and the, the looming idea that any of them could be shot in the face at any given day. That isn't working. That strategy is not working. It's not producing the intended effect. And this radicalized, uh, you know, religious fundamentalist group uh, that came to power 17 years ago uh, has become more aggressive. Uh, they've become 
uh, far uh, more sophisticated in their techniques, uh, in how they were, you know, getting past Israeli security uh, and took advantage of an opportunity while Israel was deeply, deeply concerned with oppressing the West Bank, which, by the way, Hamas does not operate in, but that, you know, people just forget about that and think that's just business as usual over there. That's totally fine. What else could work? You know, what, what's a completely different strategy? What about ending oppression, ending apartheid? What about giving them their land back? What about that? What about helping them? What about improving the conditions therein, allowing them to have free and fair elections? You can even put that as a condition for some of this. You know, I, I, I expect there's no possible strategy going forward that doesn't include something like that. That's obviously the strategy of the United States is in like, OK, yes, we will lift all the embargoes and we will stop uh, doing what we're doing as long as that you demonstrate that you're about to have free oh, and clear democratic yeah. elections. But hey, if those uh, democratic elections, Chile, don't work out the way we want, well, then we may have to do kind of a CIA style coup or something like that. But we'll figure that out. But yeah. You could even add that, but I'm saying, why not try that? Why not try a different strategy? Why not instead of giving Israel $14 billion, you start a project of actually helping? You start a project of actually trying to rehabilitate and rebuild so much of it? Because the United States strategy of bombing poor countries to destroy terrorism, it just keeps making more terrorism. Each time this happens afterwards, it's like, whoa, weird. These new terrorist groups, they keep popping up. What do they hate? They hate our freedom. They they don't like our freedom. Uh, we are too free. And so because of that, they, they, they want to kill us. That, that, that's why. Yeah, the, nothing else. Now, the, this certainly just it, people just wake up one day and they're like, ah, America with all your freedom, uh, your MTV and your bikinis. We hate you so much. God damn it. Uh, and they even have cold beers. Uh, we have to destroy them. We're going to take them all down again. This strategy doesn't work. It creates more animosity. It destabilizes entire regions. It destroys civilian populations. It causes mass famine, starvation. It can cause the fucking rampant abuse of women uh, that that are fucking uh, you know in in the midst of these conflict zones as well. Like all of this, horrifying. And, and time and time again, keeps being done. Keeps the, the same outcomes keep happening. Clearly, uh, you know th this is their intended effect. But everyone else, if you're looking at this from a rational standpoint. Why not try something else? Why why not try something else? Uh, but do you condemn the queen? You can't condemn the queen anymore. You have to condemn the king. Uh, Adrian Vixen, thank you very much for the raid. Can everyone go to twitch.tv slash Vitingale and uh, give Adrian Vixen a follow back? If Appreciate that. I received that patient with a flu and I took a sledgehammer, it's like, why are you not getting better? Do you think that patient will get better? No. You are weakening him. You are making him worse. I think if you have two groups of people who are ideologically wedded to your destruction as a state and as a populace, and you're constantly... You can still condemn the Queen. Okay, fuck the Queen. ...firing rockets. Whoa, too soon? Has enough time passed yet? Is it, uh, am I going to get tone police for saying that now from everybody? Like, oh, come on. She, she didn't choose her position. She was born into that world. She didn't choose this, okay? It's not fair. It's as Hamas have done for over a decade now. Mm -hmm. Then that cannot be acceptable. You have to stop that, right? These are terrorists who've now shown on October the 7th their true colors. They don't just talk about wanting to kill all Jews. You know what But Pierce is doing here? This is so similar to people who really get mad at abolitionists, like prison abolitionists, for example, because they in their heads hear, oh, what, so you just want all the rapists to run the city? Huh? Just a fucking city run by rapists? Is that what you're saying? Free the rapists? No. 
No. What I'm saying is that under the current system, a lot of people who are actually committing rape, they're not actually, you know, uh, getting due justice for what's happening. And I do see a very disproportionate mass incarceration of both indigenous and black people as a result of our current system. And what is our goal? Because this is what you should actually be doing. Reframe your mindset. The idea behind abolition. Is, is not to suddenly let criminals and rapists run loose and run the streets. It's that what are our collective goals as a society? Is it less people in prison? Less criminals? Less crime? Is that our goal? Okay. Well, the current system of both the United States and, you know, other countries as well, but some countries have done a better job of this, it is causing mass incarceration. There, There is huge volumes of people. 1% of the U.S. population is currently incarcerated. Those are disproportionately people who happen to be black, brown, and indigenous who are being incarcerated. In Canada, the indigenous population makes up a huge percentage of the prison population. Is this not indicative of something else? Because are there other socioeconomic factors as well as racial prejudice and systems of oppression that are playing out here? And if we want to have less people doing crimes and committing crimes, well then how do we solve that everyone's really angry and upset right now at petty crime everyone's really scared of shoplifting and this crisis of shoplifting and did you not hear that target keeps closing down its stores because the shoplifting is going out of control oh no all these radical leftists they think it's fine oh yeah like anarchy go steal and stuff like that and it's like no first off target uh they're they're not talking about their shrink they that's never acknowledged but if you look at the actual statistics a lot of the stores that closed were actually uh stores that didn't have the highest rates of shoplifting in their districts the other stores that were in those same districts were uh higher rates of shoplifting were occurring did not close down so that's a complete fabrication that it's simply based uh, on shoplifting alone shoplifting has destroyed that there's so many factors uh there's of course uh shrink is going to be a huge one purchasing power is another one that people don't talk and impossible or poorer communities people have less ability to keep buying shiny things yes it's just a thing and and like that sounds and seems very very scary and and obviously you know if you want to have a system of mass incarceration then by all means let's keep targeting those people who get caught with baby formula and diapers the, the, the the most hardened criminals of all time but if we want less of this if you want less homeless people you don't like homeless people they're 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 vermin or whatever to you then then what is going to be more effective because right now under the current system we're creating more homeless people it, it seems like the rates of homelessness in a lot of major cities is going up due to a lot of factors a lot of those being the cost of living inflation and of course yes as the interest rate went up the cost of mortgages goes up the cost of mortgages goes up in districts where they can landlords are going to raise rent that creates a lot more stress on people who are already financially burdened which in turn can create a lot of working poor people who have jobs who may be living out of their cars and stuff like that and that yes can turn to more homelessness what's another way what's another solution because like it's one of those things where if you if you deeply care about this then the current systems as they're working aren't creating the outcomes you want that's it people they are going to do it if they get the chance so i don't believe hamas can possibly stay in any position of authority in gaza i think that would be ruinous for not just the people of gaza but also for israelis so if you're going to get rid of them which many people think on both sides is inevitable and should happen as a consequence of what they did. The big question is, how do you do that? And I don't know any other way other than the way Israel is currently doing. Hence my personal moral quandary about this. So if a terrorist takes over the Empire State, instead of taking out, we bomb the whole Empire State? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Proportion. That is not even a question. (laughs) Well, that was not even a question. (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, no, no. Well, I mean, that is certainly a question to be asked, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not saying that we should bomb the entire Empire State building to the ground and then obviously seek out the families of anyone who, who may be associated with that, or perhaps even level an entire block until there's nothing left there just to be able to get out one terrorist. I understand that would be a little wild, uh, but proportion, right? But well, that would be ridiculous. You talk about, you talk about the normalization of the region. I mean, the theory that I most buy into, supported by recent, I think, Wall Street Journal reporting, that hundreds of Hamas terrorists had gone to Iran for training before this attack. Okay. It had obviously been very carefully organized, and so that is, I think, highly likely. But if you're Iran, and you're looking at all this normalization, and you're looking at Saudi Arabia being next, this is your worst nightmare. So a perfect time Again, I'm not a, a political expert to know what is the background, but let me tell it's you. It's a likely theory. Is, is Hamas justified? Is all of the horrible conditions that Palestinians mm. are living in, is that a justification for Hamas doing what they did in October no. Good. Do you think so? Of course not. Right. So we're agreed. No, of course. And it may well be here, by the way, as I've said, that if Israel pursues this ground invasion, it backfires horribly. It leads to a much wider conflict involving many other people, possibly including Iran directly. And it could be a horrendous escalation and a massive war raging through the whole region. And that is my fear about it. But I come back to the central point of justification and I'm really struggling to see what else Israel is supposed to do to get rid of Hamas. And if you've got an alternative, let's hear it. I do. Years, this is never about Hamas. Believe me, it is never about Hamas. If somebody tells you who they are, listen. Israel has been telling the world all the time they need to clear the Gaza Strip into Egypt. You think that's always been the plan? Always there. I mean, they have said it. They have said it many times. Why does, why does Egypt take them? Hmm. And do you think when Egypt takes them, do you think they'll go back? And then when they're done with Gaza, they will go back to the West Bank. They will kind of like build the settlements around them and then until they push them into Jordan, because that is the plan. They have talked, not just Benjamin Netanyahu, everybody said like, there's no state, two states. It is one state and it's for the Jews. I don't people. think he believes. I have issue with that. Israel is a foreign country. They're allies, good. But you we can't speak about Israel. How many people lost their jobs? Even Bella Hadid, Bella Hadid, Bella Hadid, she's, she, she Bella, oh, by the way, Bella she hasn't lost her job. No, no, but she's talked about death threats. She's talking no. about like being silenced. Sure. By the way, Bella Hadid is with us. She's Palestinian. And you know who else? Gigi Hadid, sisters. Yeah. I love her. They are with us. Yeah. Anyway, so. I know them both. They're very nice people. Yeah, but, but the thing is, if, if you are that high and you cannot speak about it, and it's, it's not about it's Well, you like, can. You just have to have. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you can. I mean, I've spoken out about these issues, and you get shot at, not literally, but metaphorically, all day long on social media. That shouldn't stop people from doing it. I'm just like wondering, as an American, you do, as an American, yeah. But like, I, I'm doing now because like the first interview went well. Right. I'm doing that because I want people to see that you can really speak up and not just get cancelled, but get rewarded. My career is going fine. Yeah. It's great <laughs> because I want people to have the courage. But why are there should be no limits? I'm, I'm, I agree with I'm that. kind of like so so confused as an American citizen why every American president, candidate, a presidential candidate, have to go and kiss the hand and bend the knees to APAC. Mm. This is a lobby that works for a foreign country interest. Why don't we have like a lobby for Saudi Arabia? It is they're giving us more money. You know the great thing? You can say that here 
Yes. You couldn't say in Egypt, that's why you're living here. Yes, uh, but again, a lot of people feel the burn, the heat. When Don't you love it? Come on, pull out the flag. Let's see it. <laughs> if, oh, yeah, but if I was an American, I'd be going, oh, I bass him. All right, we'll take the criticism because you can do that in this country. And I'm happy. When you criticize the government in your own country, yeah, they drive. And by the way, you can be happy. I too am happy. I, I don't take that for granted. I absolutely love that I have the freedom to criticize Justin Trudeau. I can record segments and until Big Tech shuts me down, which they have, by the way, Big Tech took away my Justin Trudeau video where I'm walking in the streets with all those wacko protesters and just being like, Justin Trudeau's putting his semen in the water supply. Justin Trudeau's trying to make you drink his cum. Uh, and, and I got fucking cancel culture. That video is permanently taken down off YouTube. They, they said that I was spreading COVID misinformation. I was mocking a bunch of people who were spreading COVID misinformation. That's what I was doing. But yes, I, I do love that I didn't get any legal trouble for that. I did not, you know, get knocked knocks on the door or anything like that. I, I do absolutely, I, I cherish that. I cherish the ability to, you know, make jokes and be a comedian in, in an environment where I am safe to do so. And I would be very, very frightened if I had to watch every single word I said out of fear that, you know, maybe maybe the king, you know, will, will, will come over here and, and, and put me in uh, one of his working factories or something like that. That's That's an incredible thing. You can also... You can also, because multiple things can be true at once. You can hold multiple truths to be self-evident. You can also criticize your own government. You can also criticize Canadians' uh, treatment of Indigenous people and its ongoing genocide of Indigenous people and its forced sterilization of Indigenous women and to call all of that hor horrifying or, or any other aspect of your culture or history uh, and talk about that and, and talk about that injustice while at the same time, but yeah, no, no, I, I do like that thing, you know. How great, do you want me to do the Pledge of Allegiance? Pierce, would that make you happy if I did the Pledge of Allegiance right now in front of you? Prove you out. Yes, and that's why I came to America, to play the white man's game, to actually to, to, <laughs> to pass this acquired white privilege to my children. It's not, but the problem it's not just a country <laughs> of white people. But, but, but here's the problem. And the white man's game, the, the game in America is not a white man's game. It's a game that actually has a democracy. You see, like, that's like just, again, fucking, there's a lot of layers to that joke. There, there's a lot of stuff woven in there. You're just actually talking about really complex topics, maybe even a little bit about white supremacist power structures. You know, some might say critical race. You know, okay, we won't get into all that. But anyways, you can see immediately how it's like, oh, it's, well, no, there's, there's non-white people who are quite successful as well, you know, uh, model minorities, if you will. You know, people who have come over here and done done the job, followed the rules, you know, followed the rules, yes. Believes in freedom but of speech. There are dog whistles everywhere. You're, you're not going to be put in jail for this interview. Or I can lose my career and I can lose jobs, and you know that. You, you could in, that. in Egypt. You could. No, here you can. In Egypt, too. they arrested here, you. Here you can. And too. they threatened in you. America, you absolutely and you would have probably could lose work. Here or dead. Here, a lot of people lost their jobs because they spoke up. It depends what they say. Of course, but again, if you're Kanye the, West and the, you spew anti-Semitic no, garbage, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm, you're going to lose. Will never, you're going to lose what you have. I will never adopt that kind of point of view. No, 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 no. But see, that's really dangerous what you're doing there because Ye is spewing anti-Semitic bile. That, that's what is coming out of that man's mouth. That is very, very different than criticizing a foreign government's actions. And you, have to, you can't conflate the two. Every single time you do that, you are treating Jewish people like a monolith. But the thing is, there is dog whistles everywhere. Uh. As I told you at the beginning, you cannot just say it's like anti-Semite, anti-Semite. Like, I mean, uh, now the, how, how come that the Palestinian flag 
is outlawed. By the way, it's outlawed in, in Israel. If you raise the Palestinian, you go to jail. And now they're saying like the Palestinian flag is a pro Hamas. No, it's not a pro Hamas. Mm. You know, I was in, I was doing a comedy show in Arizona, and a guy was like wearing like a, a kofia, like a scarf. And I took it, and, and I'm not like in hyperbole and like okay. wearing symbols, but I just thought it because like, why are we are we gonna outlaw colors yeah. and flags? That is that, that that is absurd. That is not right. I don't. I agree. I don't think you should, but you should certainly outlaw Hamas. Regardless. They're already outlaw. I right. mean, I'm not supporting <laughs> them. <laughs> but Hamas, well, I understand here, but you know, counterpoint, Hamas. Have you, have you thought about Hamas recently? I'm always with the power, the people who supposedly have the. And you should, by the way, I will say this you should be a Hamas government. You have yes. to look at what happened on October the 7th and feel utterly Start outraged there. and disgusted for the loss of human life. Yeah. And you also have to feel that for what's History happening in Gaza to innocent people. But, but, but and if you don't, if you can't feel both in, for both sets of people, both Ooh, enlightened centrism at its finest, both sets of innocent people being killed, if you can't. And by the way, yes, absolutely. Again, it's something that not a lot of people that Pierce has brought on or talks to are in the opposite position of. In fact, it's it's a crisis that people turn off their humanity for Palestinians. They think of them as some human, as animals, as the the children of darkness. This is a war between the children of light and the children of darkness, and then the you know the rules of the jungle and all that other racist shit that was coming out, and all the Islamophobic shit that's coming out, or or even look at the dehumanization that is done by fucking uh, Hollywood C-listers like Amy Schumer, right? Who, who's coming out and being like. Uh, you know, lol, Gazans rape women. Everyone thinks that's hilarious. Lol, Gazans love to rape uh, Jewish women. Lol, like all that kind of stuff. You're like, what the fuck is happening right now? That this, yes, it is absolutely horrifying what had took place on October 7th. History did not begin on October 7th. And, and, and every single, he's trying to, again, like right now, Bassam is trying to appeal to his humanity. He's like, a person who just lost five of their family members went on to television. And in that moment where they have to talk and, and grieve simultaneously and not break down in front of a camera, which they didn't, by the way, they're being asked, well, do you condemn the actions of Hamas? What about Hamas? And it's like, yes, uh, I, I condemn Hamas. I also condemn the people who just bombed and killed my family. And that's, that's what I thought I was here to talk about. And, and where exactly is the humanity, right? Where, why why is, is that where I have to frame and contextualize everything? You know who I'm really upset at? The people who just killed my family. That's probably who I'm really mad at, really angry at. I feel a sense of, of despair and horror over their deaths. You don't have any humanity. Believe me, Pierce. Believe me, Pierce, it's not really about that. There's a deep sentiment in the Middle East, in Arabs, that the West do not look at us as equals. Well, you know what? So, so what it. I did, I went to the machines. Yeah. And I asked Chad GPT <laughs> simple questions. Mm -hmm. Do Israelis deserve to be free? And you know what they tell me? Yes, Israelis deserve the right like any other people. And then I asked the same question. Do Palestinians deserve to be free? And you know what they tell me? It is complex. It is a sensitive issue. I well, it's not complex. I got to test this. It's not sensitive. The Palestinian people should be free. Yeah, but and even should, the machines well, have... Let me finish. The, and they should have exactly the same rights yeah. to freedom and freedom of expression and the way to lead their lives and to water and to power and to yeah. internet that Israelis have 
and we have here in America and we have back in my home country of the UK. And I want that for the Palestinian people. We've got to end it there. Okay. Mainly because I've worked up a hell of a hunger right. in two hours of interview and you have brought your wife's cooking. <laughs> uh, so, okay. so tell me again oh, how I nice. do it. Okay, okay, hold on. So basically... Take a piece of this. You, you, put it in you, the olive oil. Yes. Which is from nice. the West Bank. Yeah, from the West Bank. And then a little bit of this. Yes. Like that? Yes, yes. This is like amazing oil coming from the olive tree. Uh, this has come from the West Bank. Mm. Since 1967, That's Israel good. have actually uprooted 800,000 olive mm. trees just to... That is absolutely delicious. I know. Please thank your wife for me. Thank you. Wish her all the best and, and her family, mm -hmm. particularly those who are uh, obviously in Gaza. It's been great to see you. Thank you so much. Oh, I love that moment. That that like that that's just like it's it's so encapsulating right there. You know, to like I'm I'm going to try and humanize my people and show you that we can create beautiful things that go back and date you know centuries and then the growth of these olive oils and these olive trees and then and listen and taste the delicious food that it's that has brought you and then have peers you know acknowledge that and be like oh delicious very very good yes and then by the way over six hundred thousand of these olive trees have been uprooted and destroyed by the Israeli government. The very ones that are used to create the dish you see before you that you're enjoying right now. Do you enjoy the surfs but prefer not to have to use your eyeballs? Many are saying this. Well, we've got the solution for you. It's the Surf Times in podcast form. Available on most major podcasting networks now. If you enjoy it, please consider leaving a good review and feedback because it really helps the show out, apparently, and it's free. Just like the podcast. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. This show is produced by amazing people like you. And if you want to help us out, please consider donating over at patreon.com slash the surfs. The show is made possible thanks to Amazing Fletch, Anna Loves Riley, Ariane McCarthy, Cheryl Alvarez, Doug Cady, Everything Important, Hegbard Celine, Lamedia Panza, Matthew Scarborough, Multimondi, Omni, Peanut Butter Blondie, Political Papi, Quiet185, Rachel K, Riley and Anna, Roller Dragon, Ruby K, Sir Nickus, Spinach Monster, Stellar Vision, Sebastian Demo, Tech Tink, Trevbot EXE, Words Greenwood, and not to mention all of the amazing and fabulous people you now see before you.